All right, my lovely talking ladies, I'm going to pray us up and get us started. So, you know, bow your heads. Dip your lips. <laughs> All right. Uh, Heavenly Father, I, I love a room full of women that are just eager to chat and, and be encouraged and nurtured and strengthened and trained. And so, Lord, I know that you have intentionality today with the people that are in this room, with the caregivers of our children. Um, with the people speaking and serving and volunteering and all of the hands that went into making this work. I know that was intentional. And so, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, and we pray that your truth would prevail and that our hearts would walk away knowing what it is um, that you would want us to hear today. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, Hey, I'm so excited. All of y'all are here. I love a bubbling room of women that are just excited to be here. So thank you. If you do not have a seat, we have the perfect row table for you, front and center, which means the best view and the best table leader there is. So please, no offense to everyone else. I love all of you, table leaders. Anyway, so if you do not have a seat, come on down to the front row. Price is right, right? Okay, um, I'm just going to keep talking, and I, I think that you'll want to hear what I have to say. I don't know. Maybe not, but I'm just going to keep going. Um, ladies, we're really excited about today. I'm excited about our speaker. Um, she is one of our... Our people, she has been at Watermark for a long time, and I've had the privilege of hearing her teach for about seven years, and so I'm excited to get kicked off today. A couple of announcements before we start, though. Next month in February, our event um, is February 5th. Mark your calendar, February 5th. Registration will open sometime next week, I think. Um, You'll get the email. Um, but it's changed. I don't know if you follow our website, but if you do, you're, you would think we're going to hear about reclaiming reality. But if you don't follow our website, you don't know what the topic is, but the topic is going to be reclaiming sex ed. Yes, I said that. Reclaiming sex ed. We know that in our life stage with young ones, we have a lot of questions about how to teach our kids about sex, about how to teach them about their bodies and what to call things, and how do you, all of that, right? All of that. And our very own Jeannie Cox is going to address all of that, and she's going to do an amazing job. So we would love to have you at that event. Seated around you are are maybe people that have been here every month for the last seven years, or it could be someone's first time. So please, we're going to take about 10 minutes, get to know the women at your table, find out who's new and who's a a reoccurring um, participant. And this is your question to discuss. Think back to junior high and high school, which I know is a span of seven years, but think back to junior high and high school. And what was the one thing if you just had or happened to you would just have made all of that? What was your, maybe your insecurity or what was the thing in junior high and high school that you really wanted to be or be a part of or do or have happened to you that would have made that like, if you met that, then you would be, you know, set for life. Does that make sense? What I'm asking? Great. No. Okay. Carry on. We'll be back in 10 minutes. All right. We're going to get this party started. Chatty McChatterson's. Is that funny? I think it's funny. Um, If you don't have handouts, we have more copies made. So just slightly, maybe one person at your table, put the hand up. Table leader, perhaps you. um, We have some ladies walking around. If you don't have handouts, if you don't have notes, let's get your hands up in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Come on, that's funny. Thank you. Over here. 
Holla. All right. All right, ladies, you have the privilege today of hearing from Kay Wyma. Um, her and her family have been members here since 2003. She is a mother of five children. Um, I have had the privilege of hearing her teach at the nest and before it was called building blocks for the last eight years. She speaks on and off throughout the years. Um, I'm excited for what God is going to say today through her. Um, she has also authored two amazing books and I would, um, I would put these on your reading list. If you have not, the first one is cleaning house and it's about, um, ridding her home of youth entitlement. And it is a really, really good read. We had the privilege of her teaching at the nest when she was in the process of writing that. And it was really fun to hear the experiment I was unfolding. And then she wrote a book about it and it's absolutely amazing. She has a perfect combination of, of truth and wisdom and humor that you want to see. And then her second book, which she's going to be talking about today is I'm happy for you, you know, sort of not really. And it's all about, um, it's all about finding contentment in a culture of comparison. And, and that's what we're going to address today. And this book is a great read. It'd be a good one to add on to after today's talk, if you have not read it already. And then as well, if you are a blog reader and want daily encouragement, she has a wonderful blog called The Moat Blog, Mothers of Adolescent, Adolescent Teenagers. Um, it is always good to have somebody a few steps ahead of you speaking into you. And that's what she is. She ranges the the junior high or actually late elementary junior high and high school, right? And so she has the gamut. She's been there. She's walked the path and her blog has a ton of great resources. And so the moat blog is something you might want to pin down and and look at occasionally. And so without that, we're going to hear from Kay today. Here we go. Oh, it's fun to be back here, you guys. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, um, okay, so I'm Kay. You're getting me at the end of a really hard week, girls. Um, so I'm just going to put it out there because it has, uh, it's been brutal in our house. Because uh, a week ago tomorrow, my uh, freshman daughter got, uh, got a text from some friends. And uh, she was sitting next to me on the couch. And I could see her, and I could feel her, and it was, it was like this. And um, she turned to me and said the words, um, Hannah's dead. And uh, I was like, what? And uh, I could see her frantically searching to try and prove to herself that it was not true. And, and it is true. And so one of her friends decided that the world, was not, the world wouldn't miss her anymore. And, um, and so it's been, I don't know why, you know, it's funny when your kids get in high school, I, um, and she switched schools in seventh grade. And so I know her friends, like, uh, um, they're the neatest kids. They're just, they're actually really good friends. Like they, they're about as other centered as anybody I know that's that age. And, um, but I don't know their parents. And so I don't know this sweet girl's parents. And, um, but this week I got to do something that nobody wants to do. And I took my daughter and some of her friends, uh, to the funeral of their friend. We got to walk by the hearse walking in and we got to see her simple casket in the front of that room. And, um, and it's heartbreaking because whatever message she was hearing was a lie. It was a big fat lie. And nobody knew. No one knew. Her parents, it is the biggest shock that 
I can't fathom that child making that decision. And yet deep, deep down in the darkest spot of her soul, she heard something that wasn't true and she believed it enough to do something that is truly unimaginable. And, um, and so I just, we, I've been running in quicksand this week. So I, even as I drove over, I was like, I, <laughs> I've really got nothing. <laughs> Although I know I do, but it's just like, I see the people mowing their yards, and I'm like, what does it matter? Do you know that someone just buried their child? And then I, it's just like, I, can't, I cannot imagine. And I think, how does life go on? And I know it does. And, um, and I, this child, the, the same thing happened in San Antonio, uh, not this week, but last week. I don't know if y'all heard about that. Kid at Alamo Heights was bullied, and uh, there was a text stream that just did it. It was enough for him, and that was that. And, um, and so you have this bullying that is brutal, and then you have this sweet girl over here who heard the message, you must measure up, you have to do, you have to be, you have to do, you have to be, you have to do, you have to do, you have to achieve. And if you're not achieving, you're not okay. And if you haven't measured up, you're not okay. And if you're not on this team, you're not okay. Even if you hit that team, and it's like, because measuring up is brutal, girls. And uh, because whatever line that is, it moves the minute you get close to it. I don't know if you know that. And, and, and here we sit, and in, in what comparison does. Because you want to know the vehicle that took her there? Comparison. It's brutal. It lets us look at ourselves and think we're not what we should be according to whatever. And for her and her world, it could have been grades. It could have been an SAT score. It could have been an ACT score. It could have been TAG pre-TAG. It could have been AP pre-AP. It could have been 4.0. I didn't make an A. I had to make an A, you know, and I can't do it anymore. Uh... And it hits them all over the place. At the funeral, it was at the, it was so beautiful. It was at the, it was at the, it's the Temple Emmanuel that is on the corner of Hillcrest and uh, Northwest Highway. It was arguably the most beautiful funeral I've ever been to. I've never been to anything like it. And it was so, I don't know what it was. Uh, It was respectful and it was reverent. And they pretty much just went to the Psalms because that was the, you know, that's a hard thing too. Uh, It's just really hard for these kids and it's hard for us. And he landed on, he read a couple of beautiful Psalms that were about the hope of the Lord. And then he read Psalms 15. I don't know if y'all know Psalm 15. I do because I remember bumping up against it when I was in junior high doing my best to live up when I was in high school trying to hit the mark and I could never hit it. Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong, casts no slur on, on his fellow man, who despises a vile man, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath, even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. And you know the truth of the matter is? That kid lived up. If you could live up to those things, that kid actually did. Uh, but who can live up to it? 
I, I get lost on number one, he whose walk is blameless. I don't measure up very good, even right there. I'm done. And, um, and my heart broke, and I was like, is that what she was trying for? Is that what she was reaching for? Is that where she was going? And she just couldn't get there, and it was just too much? I don't know. Do you live under this at all? Really, do you? It's hard, isn't it? I think, I think life is hard. I do. Uh, I don't know how you, I mean, this is religion. It's hard enough, I, I can't do that, let alone everything else the world is telling you to do. And uh, you guys, I, I feel for you, truly. When my kids were little, when they were tiny, it was, it was, it was hard for me. Uh, I remember when I, my kids were little, it was like you were over at UP Methodist signing up at three in the morning to make sure that your kid got in the right preschool, you know, because if they didn't get in the right preschool then they weren't going to have any friends at the cafeteria when they got to grade school. And if they didn't have any friends in the cafeteria when they got to grade school, they'd have no one to play with on the playground. And if they didn't have anybody to play with on the playground, then they're for sure goth by the time they're six, you know, and, uh, there is not a college for everyone, you know, and I'd be like, and I was like, that sounds so stupid to go wake up at three in the morning. I mean, I'd be like, I would have just gotten to sleep, you know? And, and I have to go stand in a line and, and I used to sit in, and, and I would grapple with it because I would feel the pressure. You've got to do it. And then sort of like, I don't want to do that. And then going, but what am I, are we ruining him? Her, her? I mean, is that, is that the end all? And when my kids, when we had friends over, I, I'm just telling you, a paper plate with a hot dog that had nitrites in it. Um, and Cheetos, whoop, whoop, you know, I, I put it in the mic, I set it out there, I was like, happy day. Or, or, the, or the chicken nuggets that look like a dinosaur, you know, and who knows what's in those things. And, uh, and I'd be like, there, just eat, you know, Cheetos, Fritos, the happy day. And uh, we didn't feel the pressure for it to have to be locally grown in our backyard and be, you know, organic, gluten-free, and, and, you know, be in a bento box that was themed. Like it had, you know, a cl- the clown theme. Or I'm sure right now it's Star Wars because you can take all the grapes and skewer them so they look like a lightsaber. And uh, we did not live under that, did we? Where's Millie? We didn't live under that. Uh, but I'm just saying, I think you do. Like, and, and I'm pretty sure you're, you're judged. For us, uh, I don't know if this is the big thing now, but you had to like, your home was either safe or not safe. I'm just saying, mine was very not safe. Uh, no, because I didn't, I, I just didn't have gates. You know, I figured they'd fall down the stairs one time and that would be enough. They'd learn. One of them, not so much. He kept doing it. And I was like, my gosh. And it'd be like, conk, 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 conk. And I'd think, doesn't that hurt? <laughs> you know? And uh, I don't know why I didn't put the gates up. <laughs> and, 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 you know, to like cover your sockets. And, and so there were no covered sockets and you could open any cupboard that I'm sure had like Tylenol at your level, you know, where you could open it. It wasn't a kid, kid safe jar. And, and maybe that's why no one came to our house. I don't know. No, really people did because they were so happy to stuff their kids off. Somebody, whoever was at home is like, Oh, could you stay? Can, can my kid come over for a little while? And then they'd be off, you know, having coffee with their friends, our friends at Starbucks while I would be watching the children. <laughs> However, I would not know that because this didn't exist. Now I would know because I would see them at Starbucks taking pictures going, it's so fun, beautiful day here in Dallas, you know, and, uh, and there I would be. But thankfully, Millie, we had not this thing. And, and I mean, when, when our, 
Well, it was a flip phone. Do you remember? I remember driving on Central Expressway when my, and I have five, so my, I had three at that time. And there was a moment when I was driving going, what if I broke down? I, I'd be stuck, you know? And I was like, that could be dangerous. And so I, I, when I got home, I was like, I need a phone, honey. I got to get a phone. And it was a phone that flipped open, you know? And it was numbers. And, and people texted, but it was like, you'd have to sit there and go, okay. Two, two, no, no, back, no, uh, one, oh, where's the T? And you'd be like, oh, uh, uh, and it was so nightmarish. It was sort of like, forget about that. And, uh, and so this didn't exist for us. So I had no idea. I kind of had an idea because we would go walking with our friends in the neighborhood. So I had a little idea what was going on, but not like you guys. You get to know it all day, every day. It's like, you know, Christmas letters, who cares? You live it every day. It's like the Christmas letter on steroids because it's on social media. And, and so, what, why, does that, why does that hurt? Why does that make you feel less? Does it? Does it make you feel pressured? Um, I, I just, I don't know anybody that's immune to it, okay? So, here, the comparison challenge. Because it's brutal. And uh, by the way, it's been around from the get-go. I'm not sure that it isn't Part, I've, I've thought about this a lot for a while. You know, I've thought, since they asked me to write a book on this, because they asked me, really, why do people buy into this entitlement thing and go and pave the road for their kid instead of pave, you know, prepare the kid for the path? And I was like, I really think it's like uh, the freaky, competitive parenting thing. You know, it's like an Olympic sport. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure that comparison is the thing that's duping everybody into thinking we have to do, to be, to do, to do, to do, in order to X, Y, Z. So that things might go well for your child, you know? And, I, and they were like, yeah, yeah, write a book on that. And I was like, okay. And uh, it was a brutal process because this comparison thing is everywhere. And, and, as, and, and so for me, I like to research and I like to look. And so I keep going back and back and back and back and back because how did it start? Well, it started in the garden, really and truly. Uh, because that was the tool, ladies, that was used. Uh, they were happy. They were content. They were at peace. Which I'm just saying, my sister-in-law was like, you can't say that. But I mean, seriously, they had no clothes on and they were fine. When was the last day you had clo- no clothes on and were fine? I mean, you know, even today, like taking a shower, one will come close. And I'm like, shield your eyes. You know, and I'm like, please. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, don't let them have seen that. You know, I'm like, they'll forever, ever be in counseling after having witnessed that, you know. And, uh, and they're little. And you're like, at what age do they know? Like, can they see? And then you shield your eyes from yourself going, oh, my gosh. This used to be okay. No, it wasn't even ever okay. And, and I think, how'd they do that? Were they so felt? Like, did they really look good? And uh, I... I don't think they did. I just don't think they were looking. You know, it was like eyes were out. Eyes were not on me until someone said to them, hey, this over here, what did he tell you you can't do? Oh, well, he said, don't eat of that tree over there. Don't, don't, don't eat from that. And he was like, well, it's because he knows something that you don't. And if you eat of that, you'll know it. And then guess what? You'll be like him. And they were like, oh. you know, it's sort of like, oh, there is something missing. He does have something I don't have. What is the tool? Really, what is it? It's comparison. Something I don't, and where are my eyes when I do it? Where? Yes. Hello. Is there any happiness or contentment or peace in that? 
No. It's deadly every time. And I'm just telling you, and the reason why I shared that at the beginning is because it is deadly. It stole the life of somebody whose life had a lot of worth in it. And it's not right. It is so not right. So forget about it, you know? It's like, what can we do, all right? So what can we do? And now it's, uh, now we'll start with the presentation. (laughs) All right, comparison challenge. Here's the challenge, gals, to switch letters. And you're like, what letters? We'll get there. The comparison challenge, what's the problem? The perspective, the prescriptive, and then prospective. I'm just trying to, it, it won't go that way, but we'll try. Uh, that's a hard video to watch, and I hope it is hard. I, the first time I did this talk, I did it uh, for St. Michael's Women Exchange, and it was a room like this, it was packed, and uh, there was a, one of the priests was there, and I was like, oh, this is really going to be awkward. Because I, 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 I have a hard time with that video. I don't like it, and then I like it, and I don't like it, and I'm like, oh, it's just so harsh, and I don't want to, like, it's like really... It hurts me. It, uh, and then I think, do you know who that little girl is? Do you know who that little girl is? It's you. It is you. And as much as you don't want your daughter to go through what duped, what society says we have to be, and the thing I like about that video is it shows how violent it is. And it shows how harsh it is. And by the way, you are her. You don't need to do that stuff either. You want to scream at him. You're beautiful. You have worth. You don't have to do that stuff. Neither do you. Who heard an ad? Who in the last week has heard an ad on the, t- on the radio, just even driving, about how you should look? Oh, I, I heard it. My daughter was with me, and there was one that says, that says this. Uh, do you have a, um, a muffin top? And uh, do you have a muffin top? Is your belly as flat as you'd like it? Is it ripped? And I was sitting there with her next to my teenage daughter who struggles with it to begin with. And I'm like, ah. And I was like, that's the dumbest ad because who can say that you don't? Like, is there anyone that would be like, oh, yes, says Phelps. And because I could even do it right here. And I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm glad I have a sweater on. So you don't have to experience it. And, uh, and so because nobody can say no. And then they're like, try this free 60-day trial. Blah, 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 blah. Because the answer is we all sit there and like, oh, oh. before that last baby, I don't know why, I still have a pair of pants in my, in my drawer that, <laughs> that I wore before Jack. And I got pregnant with Jack when I was 42. And uh, shocker, you can. I actually was like in perimenopause. How did that happen? I do not know. And... Uh, <laughs> And he also gave me a gift right here. It's never gone away. I've never had it in my life. And I, I think it'll be there forever just to remind me of Jack. Maybe or maybe not. I don't care. But the truth of the matter is, is that I could care. I'll never forget Jack waddling into the bathroom, you know, when he was probably two. And he was wearing like a size six diaper at that point. And, and just so you know, the, probably the main reason he was wearing a size six diaper is because he was my fifth child and I never changed his diaper all day long. <laughs> it's true. Jeannie would be there going, it's right. She never did. And, and anyone that was at Pediatricians of Dallas would be like, mm-hmm, she did, never brought a diaper bag because I didn't. I just, I just hope for the best. But those pampers, my word, they can hold so much. You know? I'd be like, I'm eking it out, baby. One diaper a day. But I remember looking at him and going, 
he is, and I was like, and I remember staying in the shower for a minute thinking, man, I wish I could wear those pants. Like I looked in my closet and I was like, I wish I could wear those pants. And then I had a moment of going, why am I not, you know, just kind of doing what you do in your head going, wow. And then I looked at him going, what does he care? He's in a size six, doesn't make any difference. He doesn't care. (laughs) Like a number is doing nothing to his mind. Why do we let it do something to our mind? Why would we let our girls go down that road? Don't, don't let ourselves. Oh, oh, let's go to the next, like a couple more. Um, Okay. The problem, who is immune? And let's, let's flip to the next slide. Okay. Is anyone immune to this? Do you think anyone is immune? I don't think so. And, and I don't think so for a lot of reasons. First of all, it's around us all the time. And, and I'm kind of on this kick right now of these strange, uh, what I would call gifts from the Lord that come in weird packaging. And I would throw comparison in this. Uh, and I think it's one of those ways that it will never go away because we always need to go to him to be able to find contentment. Does that make sense? The fact that we will never find it here is a good thing because it will always drive us to him. Uh, I was talking with somebody this morning whose uh, kid is on a wayward path. And, uh, and, then, and then you start to bring in, because our first thing is to blame. Well, where could it be? Why, why, why? And, and I was sort of like, I just don't think there's any perfect family. Like, I just, I don't think there's any perfect family because if there was, we'd never go find the one that is the perfect family. I don't think there's any perfect church, you know? It's like bumping against, against these verses. Well, I could, if with my eyes on me, I make those verses about me instead of reading them and going, oh, by the way, I know whose walk is blameless. Oh, by the way, I know who is righteous. Oh, by the way, I know who is truth. And then I go, well, it's so interesting because he's the source of it. And if I go to him, I really do find peace and contentment, even in the midst of all the crud. And then maybe I might start backing off myself of making sure that I do it and start to lean into the strange part where he says, come to me, all who are weary. And what does he give us? What? Rest. Really? He said that. Why? Because his burden is light and his yoke is easy. Which, let's just say, those two words, that doesn't, neither one of those. Burden sounds heavy and yoke sounds pretty heavy. But he says it's light and it's easy because he carries it for you. And then I get to intimacy if I can let it go and let him carry. Here you go. This is just from the headlines. Studies find uh, that using Facebook uh, can lead to envy. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Um, And and this really is a big deal. Facebook depression is becoming a term. That's actually, I'm not sure it won't be. It's clinical in certain journals as it deals with the American Pediatric Society. I'm sure that it will be... uh, with us forever because they say that uh, studies have shown is a better way to say it that uh, people will get on Facebook feeling pretty okay and then you leave feeling not so okay why is that because we see all the good stuff in everybody else's life it's called the highlight reel and we might even be posting our own good stuff and and they have shown that when you bump up against that it leaves you feeling like you know and because it looks so good from them and then I sit there and go why don't I have a home in Vail their, their family photo looks so good because we're not realizing that there's a picture behind the picture that's exactly like our picture, you know, which is like everyone fighting and crying to get the picture taken, you know. 
Okay, so body image concerns. I found this very interesting. It concerns more men than women. So when I showed that video, the priest, it hit him harder than it hit anybody else. Because boys deal with it now more than girls. Is that fascinating? Um, because for them, it, it's, it's just it's such a fine line. The working out to be healthy, it's exercise, not to be a certain size, but just to be healthy, you know? Um, but it's very hard for us to enter into those scenes because it, play, it wreaks havoc on our thoughts. Uh, there's a new selfie help app to where you can actually Photoshop your selfies. So the kids pick this up and they Photoshop their selfies and then they hit send. And then it's like they look for the likes and the retweets and the pins and the repins. And yet they, it's not really them because they Photoshop themselves. It's fascinating what that does to you inside. Uh, the quarter life crisis, it's very real. Uh, it's no longer a midlife crisis. This is so sad. But it's hitting the low 20 year olds. Um, I know you know what I'm talking about. And what that is, is that they hit life and they say these words, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be like. And then they make it about them. Okay? And I know that you can take any point in your life and throw those words in and go, that's not really quite like I expected. Sort of like getting married. God bless. For us, there was, without this... You didn't have to do like some movie production about your engagement. Like now it's like a movie. I'm not kidding. It's like a cast and crew is involved in the engagement of somebody. And then it's posted on YouTube. And uh, you could have, there was one in Battery Park had over 30 million views. And so what does that do to the people in there? Because ladies, I mean, really, I mean, you get married and uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a challenge. All right. <laughs> and so... Uh, if you're thinking it's like the movie production, uh, that's, a, that's like, you know, way up here. When John asked me to marry him, it, he like put the ring on our, my dog's collar. So he was starting in a good spot, you know. It was like, woo, I can live up to that. Um, but it's hard because it's, it's on display for everybody. Uh, the quest for bigger, better, and cuter pregnancies. Did you all deal with that at all? Because, again, we did not deal with that. How are you going to make your announcement? You make the announcement. It's got to be cute. Balloons. What is it now? Is it cupcakes with pink or blue icing? What's the deal? Do you care? You don't care anymore, but on your first one you cared. And it made you feel a certain way. You know? And uh, it was like, am I okay? Am I not okay? Did we have a good reveal party? Uh, and uh, we did no revealing. Uh, we just, and by the time I hit that five one, I really was like, oh my God, what did it happen? And I was like, we've got to tell my parents. <laughs> and then I was thinking, I'm in my 40s. I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and then I emailed them because I couldn't tell them. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> and here's the lovely bento box that we live up to. Um, I mean, it, it, yeah. Mine, as you can imagine, mine are making their own, and everything is processed food in their lunch sack. And I, <laughs> whatever. All right, so maybe that's the operative word. We really need to employ whatever together. All right, so the next next slide. Um, how? Oh, can we go back to the one before that? Like not not this one and not that one. Uh, yes. What is it? Comparison bullet trains us to the land of discontent. All right. Does that make sense? You get on that one? It's like you hop in the car. It arrives silently, by the way, that train. And, uh, and it lures you. 
And it's like, <laughs> it uses words like er. Did you hear the words in that, in that video? Better, thinner, smarter. Uh, and it's got Andy Stanley, Andy Stanley in Atlanta calls it the land of er. Sandra just wrote a little book on comparison. I think it's great. Um, and it is. It's a brutal one because you never get there. All right? Uh, where? It's everywhere. And why? It really is our obsession with er and est. It is an obsession with a word called best, as in the best. And the truth of the matter is that doesn't exist, okay? It just doesn't. Uh, Our best is a lot different than the best. I am not sure that my daughter's friend didn't hook, line, and sinker the words the best. And that, that's partly what makes me so mad. Because uh, you can't do it. You just can't. And urge never end. Better, smarter, faster, thinner. There's always another thing. It's like you've got this measuring line. I'll never forget uh, one, one spring break. We are losers. We staycation every single vacation. One of my kids last night said, we're just not the fun family. And I was like, what is the fun family? And I was like, really, we're not fun? Because he hasn't done a lot of things. And part of the reason is because of our choice of how we, we spend our money. And we have put it into their education, which they don't care anything about. But one day they will. You know, I don't know if they will. But um, on, on our cool staycation, I uh, Groupon because, you know, I am a cool mother. <laughs> and there was a Groupon for the Hollywood, for the, uh, what it's called the, the, it's the Spawn Sauna. I know, you, has anybody been to the, what's it called? King Spawn Sauna. I thought I was so cool because I, and, and if it hadn't been spring break, I would have been cool, really, because it, it's kind of an adventure. And so I took my littlest one and, my, and the one next to him with a friend. And uh, I was like, let's go to King Spawn with my group on. And so we go in there, and it's very organized in the King Spawn sauna. And, um, and you, know, like, you take your shoes off right when you walk in. It's very, everything about it is organized. And they saw one of the attendants, because there's attendants everywhere, aren't there? Like, they're everywhere. And uh, one of them saw Jack. And he was like, Voomp. and he goes, you're too short. And I was like, oh, and Jack was like, oh, and, and, uh, and, and then he was like, I could see little tears starting to well up in his eyes. And he was like, you must wear a life jacket. And, uh, and, 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 and so here he is standing next to his brother and his brother's cool friend. And he's like, you know, because that's like the kiss of death for a little boy to have to wear a life jacket in front of his cool older brother. Because all he wants to be in his whole life is big, you know, like them. And so... So he kind of whisked him off to this line. It's like the Six Flags line, where it's like the little hand going, this high to ride, you know? And, and I watched Jack step up against that thing, and I swear the kid willed himself to be like an inch taller. And he was like, <gasps> you know, and standing as close as he could to hit the line. And I was looking at him going, nothing in that child's person changed from the minute we got out of the car where everything was so exciting to him standing next to that line. But that line was messing with that kid because it was going to say whether he was okay or really not okay. And that's what lines do, okay? So I don't know what it is in your life today, but I know there's something that's, that's, 
that's in your head. It could be the schools that you attend. It could be the house that you're in. It could be the block that you live on. It could be the job. It could be the, you know, should we go down the thing? Do y'all, I mean, I, I remember with my business card. It was amazing to me that I could walk into a meeting with a tiny little piece of paper and exchange the cards, and it would actually make you feel good or feel bad. Isn't that amazing a piece of paper can do that? Depending on, on what your title is. And, and you could be doing that wherever you go in your preschool association. It could be, I mean, you name it. It dupes and plays with us. Don't let it. It's everywhere. And it, we're obsessed with it. And we want our kids to be the best because they've got to be the best. Um, it's heartbreaking. Okay, let's go two slides down. Like not, it's like, okay, so how? How do we do it? Measuring up, societal pressures, positions, titles, outward appearance, should, woulds, and coulds. If only, did I put that one up there? Yeah, the if onlys, if only I blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, the, and the if is a brutal one. What if? If I'm playing the if, if I say something like, what if we ha, 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 then I'm taking it from what the reality is to the backwards and letting it define my reality today, either good or bad, okay? And usually if we're going to the if onlys or the fairs, it's not fairs. I know you get that a ton with your kids. It's just not fair. It's not fair. You know, it's not fair that she got the waffle or she got donuts and I got a waffle, you know, whatever. And so because of what she has or he has has defined whether or not my life is okay. And the truth of the matter has nothing to do with whether your life is okay. And because the secret is if I'm doing that, then where are my eyes? They're on me. Me, 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 me. And we know there's an issue with narcissism in our environment today because everything is saying to them, See it all as it relates to you. And we can go to scripture where the truth is given to us like this. When they came to the Lord and said, what is the greatest commandment? What did he tell them? What? Yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor, love others as yourself or as I have loved you. And therein lies all the law and the prophets. Which, ladies, that's like uh, this much. Okay? When I bump up against these lists and I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't get my eyes off myself, realize they're about him. And he says, you want to know the secret sauce? Get your eyes off yourself. Care about the others. Competition is so interesting because competition is good in many ways. It really actually is. It teaches you how to fall and get back up. It teaches you how to persevere. It can, but it can also be really brutal depending upon where we put it. If we put it within ourselves, it ruins friendships. If we're competing against each other by, oh, so many things, you know? And it can go down to the level of like what carpool you're in, what parties you're involved. The, you know, the competition on one-upping each other on birthday parties. Um, it's fascinating, isn't it? And, and we let those things define us. Is, am I, is it making any sense where I'm going, don't let it, don't let it? Uh, the parenting Olympics is very so crazy and is on steroids. Do y'all feel that? The parent Olympics, mom petition. You feel it? Uh, the, there is actually competitive interestingness is this not so funny? I got this out of an article in the New Yorker. In the New Yorker, because people are like they called it 
competitive interestingness where you walk into the where you go into a party and try to out interesting each other. Is that not so funny? But it's sort of true. It's like, well, what'd you do? My kids get it when they go home, go back to school. What'd you do for the holidays? And I, I like had to like tell mine. Now here's what you did, you know, because I know you did nothing. But I think we can take nothing and make it something. All right, you know, because I'm like, oh gosh. They're going to be like competing against a trip to France, you know, and I'm like, this is going to be the worst, you know, or, or the snowboarding or the skiing or the whatever. And I'm like, you're really okay. Um, this selfie help, the reveals. And what are the vehicles? Social media is, is, is huge. Okay. We got that. Social media is not the problem, by the way. Our relationship with it is. Okay. Social media is not the problem. A lot of great things. I would have no idea what was going on in the world if it wasn't for Twitter, quite frankly, because I, I follow the BBC and a few others so that I can actually have a clue. And, uh, but, but if I'm allowing it to speak into my self-worth according to what somebody else is doing, has a small problem. But that's my relationship with it. Uh, conversations and eyes where my eyes are, what I see, what lenses I see through. As I was talking through this issue with my daughter, when she got out of the car, when she got out of the car on Tuesday, you know, because, well, it was Monday when they had to go back to school, and I was like, I think this might be a hard day. Uh, And I was like, whatever you do, see the unseen, please see them. Whatever you do, have eyes to see the hurt. If somebody's sad, ask them. If someone's alone, talk to them. Please. And, I, and, and for her, she kind of has eyes that way. Her eyes are not so nice to the, what she would call the poppies. And I'm like, and stop it with that. Because just so you know, the ones that are messing with it that way... They're feeling the pressure and trying to make it okay by being what you would call mean. So get over it. You have no idea what pressure they're living under. You have no idea what pressures they're under them at home. You have no idea. Cut it out. And I pray, please let her have eyes to see. And then I'm like, what about me? Please let me have eyes to see. When I walk into a room and might have a moment going, oh, I can't believe I dressed casual to this semi-formal event. You know? And I think, I feel so stupid. And then I'm like, wanting to blend into the wall. And uh, instead of it letting it be like everyone's looking at me, which I'm just saying I have opted to consider it my role in life to be a missionary dresser. So, and that is, I, yes, I purposefully underdress for you. So that you might feel good about yourself. Because at least you're not me, you know? And, uh, but really, it's like find the person in the room that is also sucking air. Because if you thought it when you walked in, somebody else thought it too. Go talk to them. Um, all right, my self-worth begins to be defined by something other than truth. And we've got all these great things to help us along. TED Talks. I mean, we, we are inundated with it. And I know you are. Uh, it's inundated with the parenting books, how to do it. And there are good things about that. It's your relationship with it, Okay. Um, all right, so next slide. How? All right, so perspective. And here we go with a metaphor assault because it kind of is a metaphor assault. The power of inequality. Okay, I wish that I didn't have the equal up there because do you see the less than and greater than? Less than, greater than, all right? I bump up against something and it can make me feel less than or greater than. But either way, where are my eyes? 
on me. And I love the way that, I, that like, even those together, it's like focused here, all right? So let's go to scripture. You can find anything you want in scripture, all right? Really and truly. If you want to know if something is like has validity or truth to it, you really can find it. This, this book is a love story for you. This book is a love story to you, to remind you how much he loves you. Everything about it. It's, a, it's his story. It's about him. So there's a story in 1 Samuel about Hannah, who was uh, a wife, and uh, she was not a mother. And she had a very drippy faucet next to her, whose name was, I would say, Paninai, but I am terrible with pronunciations. <laughs> Paninai. It doesn't really, let's just call her P. Um, and it was brutal for Hannah. Because everything in Hannah's world, really and truly in that day and age, it actually really did matter whether you had a kid or not. I mean, you're, you really were in, in or out. But despite the fact she had no child, her husband loved her, okay? But still, in her face, all the time, was this one going to her, oh, I, you know, you've got nothing. And it is, it's Penina, I don't know, whatever. Um... <laughs> And, and it grieved her. Every time she went to the synagogue, to the, to the temple, and she would go and pray. And at one point, she's crying out to the Lord, please, please, Lord, Father, please, just if you can hear me. And I love this. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. And her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of, get rid of your wine. And she said, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli said, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Okay? The world said to Hannah, you have to have this to be okay. Hannah was grieved. Because sometimes it is, it's hard. How many years did she live through this? I don't know. She went to the Lord. And what I love so much about this passage is that when he said, go in peace, may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him, she got up and washed her face. Was she pregnant at that point? Do you know what gave her the peace? The Lord filled the void even when the void she thought she needed was not yet filled. It wasn't Samuel. It was God. Okay? Please, when you hit up and go up against these marks, please go to the Lord. Let him be the filling. Because it's enough. And then it doesn't matter what happens on the other side. Okay? Uh, Joseph, limited vision. We can't see it all. All right? You only see a portion. Sometimes I have, and any, sometimes, y'all know y'all have heard me speak before. Take your piece of paper and do this and roll it up. Okay? And look through it. Any piece of paper. Really, do it right now. Do it. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do it. I just find it interesting. All right, so when you look through it, put your right hand over here. Wave it around. I can see your hands, but can you see yours? Can you see your hand when you're doing that? Is it waving around? Yes, it is. But you can't see it, can you? Same thing with the left. Because you can't see everything, all right? 
as you bump up against these things and you're going, oh, yes, and you're letting what you see define everything, realize you can't see it all. And therein lies perspective. Joseph, God bless him, and his brothers. Do you know why they came and assaulted him and took that coat? Because they were jealous. They wanted it to be him. They were looking at him, wanting what he had. It wasn't fair. And then chaos went, all right? And there Joseph stayed. Joseph had no idea. He could not know what was going to happen. And yet, even in the midst of so much truly catastrophic, unfair, he fought to keep his eyes on the one he knew was right and true. Even in the midst of bumbling, going, you know, all of that, so much so at the end, when his brothers came to him, it was like, this went from this to that. And he was like, and they're like begging for their lives. Please don't kill us. We are so sorry for what we did. And he's sitting there going, kill you? This was all so that the Lord's plan might play out. So everything, he could sit there in all honesty going, wow. But how hard would it have been for him to stay the course with his eyes on the one? Because we are playing for an audience of one. We aren't playing for this audience. You're playing for an audience of one. And by the way, that audience of one, oh my gosh, does he love you. Oh, it's just enormous, the amount of love. He's safe. He protects you. He is faithful always. There is no circumstance that is over him. There never has been. There never will be. Even though, and we'll go between these, was, you know, the Israelites begging for a king. Give us a king. Do you want to know why they asked for a king? Because they, quote, wanted to be like everyone else. And so he gave them a king through Saul. But it didn't even matter because did it change the Lord's kingship? It can't. No matter what you race over and race to find and put in place as God's as we do now, it doesn't matter. The Lord is still God. He always is. He always will be. He never can be anything else. His name is I Am. The only thing in the world ever that you could ever imagine whose name is a verb, I Am, that has no beginning and no end. That's who you believe in. Looking through new glasses, David, he is such a great example. When Samuel went to him, when the Samuel followed the directive of the Lord and the Lord said, Samuel, go to this house and there you will find the one to anoint. Samuel went and he stood there and he was like, uh, is he here? Because all he saw in front of him was strapping young men that could and should be the king. But were any of those brothers the king? Were any of the brothers the chosen one? Who was? The scrawny little kid that was out with the sheep. Because the Lord sees things differently than we see things. All right? And he says very clearly, my way is not your way. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I see the least. And he, and he works with it all. I work with the least. I work with the greatest. Because it's his anchor and seeing things with his vision. Because it could be tempting. I don't know for, with you guys. You, with your kids, you're going to have some that excel at certain things and some that don't. And by the way, you're going to have the cool thing be something today that will be nothing tomorrow. When I was in business school, it was all, all about uh, Japan. Everyone fought to learn Japanese. And everyone fought to work for a company called KKR. 
Does anybody in this room know what KKR is? Really? Nobody does. I love it. It was on the cover of Forbes, of Time, of Newsweek. Oh, all through the 1980s. Because that's when I was like playing. And uh, it was called Kohlberg, Kravis, and Roberts. And it was the big merger takeover machine. Uh, Today, it would be Apple. Is it hard to think that maybe in 10 or 15 years, nobody will really be sitting there going, Apple's it. That's it. Uh, Because it changes. It shifts. It changes. It goes. It changes. And so stay the course with the one that never changed. Consider provision. And I love this, uh, Jonathan. And sometimes I have cards next to that because sometimes I pass out cards, but I'm not going to today. Jonathan who was David's best friend. Interestingly enough, we did a study on, on 1 Samuel a couple of years ago. And it was interesting to me when I bumped up against Jonathan, I like looking at lineages. I'm weird. But I like to sit there and think of how many years passed, who was alive that we know. I really do. I like to go, okay, when Noah was alive, who was alive then? How did he know? How did Enoch know? And I'm sitting there going, okay, how old was Jonathan? So I started to look to see how old Jonathan went. Because in my mind, Jonathan's like, you know, David's 15, maybe 16, it, somewhere in his teen 20s. And I'm like, well, Jonathan, he's his best friend. He has to be there. Do you know that Jonathan was an adult? He was a commander in the army when David even came into the court of Saul, which I find so interesting. Do you know who absolutely was the heir apparent? Who was the heir apparent? Jonathan was. And yet Jonathan, oh, I love it. Never once did Jonathan waver in jealousy of David, as far as we know. Never once did Jonathan say, that's my job. Jonathan, we know, went alongside David and said, I am here to support you. You are the one anointed king. You will be king. I am your friend. And, and it's like, can we do that? Because David was anointed king Jonathan was not anointed king. Did it change anything about what Jonathan thought or believed about himself in accordance with the plans prepared in advance for him to do from the Lord? No. He was content in that. Can I? Because throw my kids in there. It's hard. You know? Because you bump up against it on the teens. It's everywhere. On the friends, the parties. For, for, you know, it really is. And it will grow and grow. It doesn't go away because then it hits SAT scores. And then the SAT is so quick to point out to you. One of mine's about to fill it out. I hate filling out those things because you get like 20 pages of boxes to fill in about all the stuff that you do and you've done, which sort of ruins volunteering because you just make volunteering about yourself because you have to put in how many hours you volunteer. And if you put in 50, it's a lot better than putting in five, you know? And, and if I don't put in that much, then, and, and they're not going to take me. And so, so there they sit with all these boxes and you have like, you know, 20 checked out of 5,000. And I don't know how any kid walks away from that, not feeling a little less of themselves because it's in their face. And yet there sat Jonathan steadfast. You are king, not me. Even to his father. Pretty powerful. How could he have done that? How do you think he did it? Like, how can you do that? Where were his thoughts anchored? In the one. All right, let's go to the next one. What time did you say? Where's Allison? <laughs> Ten more minutes. Have I sh- has anybody been in this room when I've shown this one before? I know Jeannie has. 
wherever she is. I, you have, I've done this more than once. I love this. All right, so here's another lovely story. There's a king named Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was towards the end, getting towards the end, okay? And Hezekiah was met by a man, a very horrible threat of a king that was coming from, uh, from the west. His name was Sennacherib. I don't know who he was, but I think you could probably, you could in your mind think about ISIS and probably multiply it by 50 times, okay? And, and he came to the Israelites and he said, I'm coming for you and I'm going to obliterate you as I have obliterated all these nations that are around you, which he had, and it wasn't kind. He went in and killed everybody and he brutally massacred them and tortured them. Okay, and so here's, he's coming in, and they're coming in to the Israelites, and he sends a messenger to Hezekiah saying this. And uh, he says, this is Sennacherib's threat, do you, do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of the other lands? Were the gods of those nations ever able to deliver their land from my hand? One of the commanders actually had the audacity to proclaim to the people, do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says the Lord will deliver us. He was that bold. After this, Sennacherib turned to King Hezekiah of Judah, who refused to submit to him. Forty-six of Hezekiah's cities, cities in the first millennium of of, uh, B.C., terms ranged in size from large, like modern-day towns to villages. So there were 46 were conquered by Sennacherib. But Jerusalem did not fall. His own account of this evasion is, uh, is here. And I just think it's so interesting. I'm going to read it to you. Because Hezekiah, king of Judah, would not submit to my yoke, this is what he wrote. I came up against him, and by force of arms and by the might of my power, I took 46 of his strong fence city and the smaller towns which were scattered about. I took and plundered a countless number. From these places I took and carried off 200,000 people. Uh, Old and young, male and female, together with horses and mules and donkeys and camels and oxen and sheep, a countless multitude. And Hezekiah himself, I shut up in Israel, his capital, like a bird in a cage, building towers around the city to hem him in and raising banks of earth against the gates so as to prevent escape. Then upon Hezekiah there fell fear of my power, of my arms. He sent out to me the chiefs and the elders of Jerusalem with 30 talents of gold and 300 talents of silver and other things, immense booty. All of these things were brought to me at Nineveh, the seat of my government. And he was coming after him. And he sent a letter to Hezekiah saying, I am coming after you. And do you know what Hezekiah did with that letter? He took it because it was brutal. And he cried over it and he laid down over it and put it in front of the Lord. And said, I know who you are. Help. Because the letter scared the living daylights out of him. And I want you all to think, what are the letters that cause you fear? You know, what is it? Is it expectations? Your expectations or other expectations of you? Is it um, fear of sickness? What is it that gets you, gets you going? If you don't do something, then your child won't get in a good college. If you're not on this team, then we won't have any friends. If she's included, if she's not included in this, then she'll be a loser. If, I mean, really fill in the blank, whatever it is. 
When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on a sackcloth and went to the temple of the Lord. Hezekiah received the letter from his messengers and read it. And then he went to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. O Lord, almighty God of Israel, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Do you do this? Do I do the same thing with the worldly messages that I get? Am I training my kids to run to him? Or to believe it? To perform for him or to perform for others? To look and to trust him? To let it be an audience of one? Because it's swimming upstream, girls. It's hard to do. Isaiah 40. Do you not know? This is from the Lord God himself. Have you not heard? Has it not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? The Lord sits on the throne, encircled above the earth. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his other standing no one can fathom. God says this to you. I have summoned you by name. By name. Isn't that cool? That's one thing I love about the lineages. He knows every single person by name. He knows you by name. By name. You are his. He knows your name. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Do your kids know that? It's helpful for you to know it first so that you can really believe it, to be able to pass it on to them. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Where is he? With you. And when you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Joshua says it so often. Do you want to know how many times uh, do not be afraid is written in the Bible? Because fear is one of the biggest tools that's used. Anybody? 365, yeah. And do you know it always follows it? For I am with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be afraid, I am the Lord God Almighty. Don't be afraid, reminder, I am, I am, I am. Okay? This is a picture of my niece, all right? The story of Sennacherib is told three times in the Bible because you know what happened after, after Hezekiah put that letter in front of the Lord? The Lord said to him, it's my fight, not yours. And sometimes I think we forget that. It's his, not ours, all right? These are his kids that you are the mother of. You are steward over their life for a very, very brief period of time. They're his, okay? In the most beautiful of way, might that lighten your burden, enlighten your load, and help you see it so that you feed into them truth, because that's what will fortify them and make them strong, and that's what will turn them away from the things of the world that leave them so hungry and sad and lonely, because he doesn't. This is a picture of my niece who is blind, okay? She... uh, she was born with a defect. She has a brother that was born with a defect also. Um, it's not exactly what my brother and sister-in-law would have hoped, is it? You know? It's really hard. Their second child, it was brutal because he had brain matter on the outside of his head, of his skull. And uh, during that pregnancy, they told, I was telling my daughter the other day, they begged her, abort, abort, abort. You, this is not good. And it made my sister-in-law so sick because she felt like every time he moved in her womb that he was hurting and uh, he was born, and he's amazing. I'm telling you, the kid is amazing. This, this sweet child, we, a couple, at, 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 uh, at, we go out to visit my parents. They have a home in Arizona. This is a canyon that's in Sedona that's just north of where their house is. 
significantly north. And when we were all like, you know, young, married, and engaged, we went there and hiked. And it was like, let's take the kids and go hike through the canyon, you know, in Sedona. And we were like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. So we drive up, and all the kids bound out, and they are like, running around. And, uh, and we get to this stream, and we had sort of forgotten that you have to cross the stream seven times on that hike, which I'm just saying, if you can't see, that is a very hard thing to do. And so I stood, that's my daughter with the pigtails, and I'm right next to her, and I was, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, what were we thinking? I, I was like, and my niece was standing next to me because she could hear the water, and, um, and she didn't go. I mean, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible, because, I mean, it's hard enough, like if you can see to cross the stream, I'm just saying, it is for me. I, it's very awkward and horrible. Because you step on it and it's like, whoop, and you're gone. And so I stood with my daughter, because the last thing you want to do is remind her that she can't see, you know? And I was just, we were grieving, and I was like, what are we going to do? Because there was no way, everybody else had gone except for us. And the next thing I know, my brother comes up next to me. And, and he says, Mag, put your hand on my shoulder. And instantly, boom, she puts her hand on his shoulder. And he goes, hold tight, here we go. And he was like, okay, step right, step, step forward, you know, straight forward, okay. And he was like, 30 degrees to the right, 40 degrees to the left. Okay, this one's slippery, forward, forward, right, left. And she was like, boop, 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 on the other side. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I sat with my daughter. That child knew that voice. Okay? She knew it. She trusted it. Nothing ever had that voice done to her to harm her. That voice had definitely put directives in front of her, had definitely put boundaries. But that voice she trusted with everything in her. Hand on the shoulder. Right, left, right, left. Straight, 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 straight. On the other side. And I looked at Lucy next to me and I was like, oh, sweetheart, can that please be us with the Lord? That we would hear his voice. That when we come to the waters, we know they're not going to rise up over us. When we come to the waters, we put our hand there and we listen. Straight forward, right, right, right. Trust me, trust me, trust me. I've got you, I've got you, I've got you. And I looked at Lucy and I said, that's just a picture. It doesn't even hold a candle to what it's really like. So, next slide and then we're done. Perspective. When you hit this stuff, do a warm reboot. Control, alt, delete, start over. Control the thoughts, realize they are fooling you. Get an alternative perspective, gals. See it differently than you see it in the moment. And delete it, stop it. And perspective is brilliant. Really, go back to those high school days. What was the hardest thing you ever lived through? You know, it was like, will I have a homecoming date? Does it matter anymore? Uh, no. All right? Uh, does that 3 o'clock standing in the line at, at UP Methodist to get into that Mother's Day out? I'm just saying. I look at it now and go, that was the most ridiculous thing ever. And then I say to myself today, please let that college acceptance take on the same weight as that does back then. Okay? Uh, delete. Stop it. Letter change. Take comparison. Take an R and an I out and put an S and I in. You take comparison and go to compassion every single time. There will be someone next to you feeling the same pressure. Find them. Talk to them. Three powerful words. Uh, I'm happy for you. If you really can't, and that really is for my daughter. That's another story. But it is, um, it's so powerful 
to actually celebrate with somebody who is celebrating. And be sad with the ones that are sad. Don't make it be a a defining moment of you, what you have or what you don't have or what you've done or what you haven't done. And revisit perspective. Think about the glasses you are wearing. Are you seeing through the lenses? Are you seeing people through the lenses that the Lord sees them? All right, next one. I think that's all. Yes, so don't do that. Um, It's embarrassing. All right, we're done. Um, Can I just pray real quickly? I just, I hope that was, oh, Father. Holy Spirit, I just know that you know. You, you, know the, you know our thoughts. You know our thoughts. There's nowhere we can go to be away from you. When we stand up, you are there. When we go down to sleep, you are there. You are with us always, every day. I pray that you will reach to the deepest core of whatever it is that might be tricking us into keeping our eyes on ourselves. Please take them and put them on you. Search our hearts and know so that we can be free from it. So that we can bask in the beauty of who you are and rest in your safety and your security. And in doing so, Lord, we know that it will peel our eyes off of ourselves and we might be able to see the person next to us. And I do pray as we go today that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear so that we just might for a moment be able to be your hands and feet. To do what you do. And that is to draw us to you and to bring glory and honor and praise to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was amazing. Um, so amazing. And the cool thing, um, seeing how God works, is that like there are several things she said today that we've expounded upon in previous um, months. So we talked in depth about identity in Christ, which she touched on. We talked in depth about fear and anxiety we, speak to, we spoke on that in um, September, October, October. And so some of these things, like go back. If you didn't make our previous events, um, September, October, November, December, several of the things she talked about, we addressed in depth there. So that's just really cool to see how God brings that all together. Um, ladies, there's some questions for y'all to chat about at your tables. Um, they're going to be on the screen here. So table leaders, take that away. And then we'll have some time for Q&A here um, in a few minutes. Ladies, uh, please send in your questions if you have them. Very good. Okay, the first question we have on the table is uh, social media. What tack do you take? Do you let your kids use it with boundaries? Do you have their passwords? Do you forbid them on being on on social media? It seems like the earlier kids are on it, the the more it affects them. Um, how How have you handled it in your home? Okay, so I know that not any of the children that are represented in this room, um, Jules Soyun, has not touched this thing. Don't your little kids use it? In fact, they could probably fix things that you have no idea, even if they're two. You know, they can do it. And so this is absolutely a part of their lives. And, and that's a big question. You should probably have someone come speak on this topic. Maybe it's so like, I'm just going to tell you what we do, okay? Okay. Uh, I, I, I like for them to be able to navigate this on their own. So we have, I have no idea what their passcodes are. I was very mad at somebody this morning whose phone was sitting there, and I was like, who's, you know, whose is it? Of course, the passcode's on it. I have no idea because I have no idea what their passcode is. I'm like, those passcodes. Why do they have a passcode? This is me, all right? So, so take it for what it is with a grain of salt. Um, I... 
this thing is how this book came about, the title, I'm Happy for You, okay? Because I have watched my children let this uh, play with their self-worth, and I have watched uh, the online video stuff play with the self-worth of my boys, all right? Because they start to fool themselves into thinking that the likes, shares, tweets, retweets really matter. Pins. Pinning is huge. It's Instagram. It's not Facebook for kids. It's today. It's Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Those are the ones. And so they will actually let, uh, they will share a photo and allow a like, the number of likes define their self-worth. All right, which stinks because I know that's shifting ground, right? Shift, 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 shift. All right, when we talk, which we did the other day on the phone, and it's like, and, and we don't talk often, really. And, and yet I personally felt really good after talking. It felt good because this is what we are created for. We are created for relationship, all right? What are the core needs? To be known, to be loved, and to belong. That's it. Somewhere along the way, this is fooling kids into believing that this means they belong, that a number of likes means they belong, that a number of shares, number of friends, friends, it's ridiculous that you could have a friend with comma in it. That's laughable. Those are not friends, okay? But if they don't know they're not friends, they'll actually think they are friends. So I inform them. So here would be the conversation, my daughter coming out of school, you know, or whatever, coming from the grocery store where maybe she purchased the goods because I'm sort of a stickler for that too. She might speak to the grocery store clerk and because the grocery store clerk is a human being, it actually feels good even if she doesn't know her. And so she walks out and I say these words if she's on her phone. Anytime I get, I do it. And, and they'll be like, I'll say, okay, so how does it feel when you do that? And she'll go, well, that feels pretty good. Because it does every single time. Anytime they get their eyes off themselves, it feels good. Anytime I get my eyes off of myself, it feels good. If I'm down in the dumps, if I go talk to somebody, it actually feels better. Like I physically feel better. If I can trip my thoughts into thinking of the things that I have that I'm grateful for. Like what I have instead of what I don't have. Which we need help doing that. It feels good. And then I say, well, how does this make you feel? It's an easy answer. This feels yucky. That feels good. And I have to tell you that without any effort on our, on our behalf, uh, my kids really aren't on it. And I've got everybody in my house. Like, really and truly, I have every personality. Our seventh grader doesn't even have a phone or want a phone, not because of me. I'm like, get the phone. Because yesterday I was trying to find him. I, could, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, his friends text me, which is embarrassing, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, get a phone. He doesn't want it because he watches what they do on these text streams because you think it's social media. It's the texting thing and the group texting thing that is brutal. Okay, next question. Um, what about you as mamas? What's the balance between cutting off um, the hand that causes you to stumble um, totally deleting Facebook, Instagram, all those things. What is your commentary for moms at this stage using social media? I really, I think it's your relationship with it. If it's, if it's sucking the air out of your life, start putting things in there that don't suck the air out of your life. Um, if it's hard, start to volunteer someplace just to volunteer. Now here's the deal. You can't go anywhere because you have little kids. But you may have a neighbor next door that needs dinner. Do you know what I mean? It's like just just start snapping out of it. Anything. Uh, anything to actually do something for somebody else 
allows you to participate in the social media venue with your head on straight. And, and I, I almost think it's that case for anything in your life. If you've got a lot of change going on, change is very hard. And it is very hard, okay? Because it's highly likely on the other side of change, it's not going to be exactly as you thought it was going to be. It won't be. And it's hard to bump up against that stuff. And, and it does, it, especially if your kids are involved. Oh, my gosh, it hurts so bad. And it's like, eyes off the eyes off me. Please, Lord, somehow speak your truth into me. For me, it really, I, I, I find such relief in being in the scripture. I, I literally find relief uh, because I read over and over and over. I am the Lord your God. I was, I'm in Ezekiel. You know that if I am like getting up in the morning to read Ezekiel, I'm getting something really fun out of it because who does that? I'm in it today. Because I read it to know him, which is a lot different than reading it to tell me how to live. And when I'm trying to know him, oh my gosh. And then through the day, I sit there and go, remember, remember, I really will do it too. I will literally go through the things that he does that are over any of the circumstances that I could be living in. Um, And the only thing I would add to that is just what goes in comes out. And so are you feeding your mind? The question about social media, are you feeding your mind with all of that out there? Or um, are you ingesting truth, which is is what's going to be life-changing? That's it for our questions, unless somebody has one that you haven't been able to send in. Go ahead and send it in now. Well, I'm going to. There were two things that I put on your table that I did not talk about. This, uh, the letting goes which I've never really done this before. I hope, you, I hope it's helpful to you. At the end of each of the chapters in I'm Happy For You, we tried to put something that was like a little like helpful tip, and these are the letting goes. And so when you hit up against things, I don't know. I just was like, I hope that's of help to you. It may or may not be. Sure, that'd be great. Um, this bookmark is something I really did want to briefly touch on. It's, it says unique at the top of it. And um, it goes to the fact that you have purpose. Every single person is born. You know, the Lord says, I knew you in the womb before you were born. All right? And the Lord told Jeremiah, I have prepared in advance works for you to do. Do you believe that? Do you believe it for yourself? And do you believe it for your kids? And are you okay with whatever purpose that has been prepared in advance for them? Because if you really are, then go find the stuff that is for their purposing, okay? Not letting it be a STEM program that's defining that your art child needs to be in STEM. And STEM, science, technology, uh, engineering, and math, it's the hot thing. And so it's like, but it won't be hot in 10 years. But your child's giftedness will not change. This is a picture. This is unique gifting. This is, this is our children, all right? We were at Rafa's for dinner one night, and they still have paper, you know, like the butcher paper, and they had crayons. Every one of them picked up a crayon, even my 18-year-old. And, and I took a picture of what they drew, and this is unique gifting, all right? The top one uh, is a child that truly is an artistic brain. She's very sensitive, and uh, with, with the gifting that your child has, if they're super, super sensitive and sweet, comes really hard because they're super, super sensitive. And, and you've got to help them walk through the sensitive road without letting it suck their life out. Right below that is a kid, I don't know if you can see it, but it's a bunch of numbers. And that 
that is a set of equations that actually made a picture. It's all he does. It's like not, and I don't think it ever stops. And so equation, 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 and then this beautiful picture that came from it right next to it that were the equations making a picture. And uh, that's unusual. I wish his mind did stop, all right? This, it's hard. And anybody that has a kid that does this, it is a challenge and it can be heartbreaking, all right? Bear with it. Because the Lord doesn't usually work in one-month increments. It's usually like seven years. <laughs> Forty years. Stay the course. The next kid below that, it's like scribbles because he is so fiery. That kid, I mean, he is scribbles. It's like, you know? Um, but the cool thing about that kid is that he is fiery. And uh, he's never seen a mountain as an obstacle. It is always an opportunity for him. And he will be outside in bare feet at 30 below and climbing every tree. But he's, which makes it very challenging because that's an unpleasant thing to be around often. Um, but there goes this fine line. How do I, cause I don't want to squelch that giftedness below that is my, just keep swimming below that. Pray for that girl. That's the one that lost her friend. And, um, I think in her head, she's like, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. And it's all in her head, which means she stuffs every single thing, which is a challenging road for me today. But it's a good thing because she's a whatever kid and we need whatever kids. And the one below that is a tic-tac-toe. He's never met anybody that is not his friend. And he wants friends, and he wants to play. All right? One family, everything in it. Just this stuff. I I would want them to look a certain way because the world says they need to look a certain way. But I know they have unique gifting, just like every single person, you all in this room, and just like every one of your kids. I hope that's a reminder to you. All right, we have two books of her latest book we're going to give away. So I would like to see who has the youngest baby in this room. Youngest baby in this room. I know we got it. Oh, what do we got? Oh, hey, you had your baby. I'm so excited. Okay. Um, Three and a half weeks, anybody? Three weeks? Anybody else? I know Lindsay Lauk. She has like a five-day-old. But she's got a copy, so she's just going to pass. Okay, three-week-old, here we go. Come on. Yay! Okay, whose birthday is today? Hello, Noel! I just got a, I, we were like, oh, the, if somebody has a birthday today, or the closest. And then I was like, looked at my phone, and I got a little notification. It's Noel's birthday, so that's fun. Yay! So she gets this today. Happy birthday to you. Um, I'll walk it back. You got a baby. Okay, ladies, um, you are dismissed. Go get your precious little ones downstairs. Thanks for spending time with us today.